Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. A lot of people were leaving the BBC because they were hitting glass ceilings. Don't think I'm actually very good at anything. I just think I'm very good at learning. I will say that's the only good thing I'll say about myself. But yeah, it was commission only. So if you don't work, you don't eat. Because as a young kid, you don't have a degree. You don't have any of these things. You just, no. you, ha- you have to be a sponge. School of life. You have to be a sponge. You have to. You have no choice. He had this hunger of learning. Mm. Mm. And that was what obviously drove him to, to do all the, the awful things that he did. The cutting the of people's heads. Yes. They literally said to me, you're lucky you're not in cuffs. <laughs> I had an audition like the same night of that breakup. I can't fail here I have to figure something out I would have literally and this is not me speaking hyperbole I really would have rather died than failed Rooted Within with Lily and Dan Dan Hi Lily, how are you? I'm good. I just said your name in the weirdest way, Dan. You, you like really you did. It's did very seductive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, seductive. Kind of liked it. <laughs> Thanks. It's been a while. It's not working for me. No, <laughs> neither for me. Anyway, <laughs> people think we're a bit weird. We are weird in a good way. Yeah, especially this week. Wonderful way. Full moon and all it's been that. A, it's been a heck. Have you seen it? Well, it's been. Oh my god, it was a. Bl- gonna... It was a blood moon. I, I have no idea what that means, but anyway, it was orange. There we go. It was amazing. Anyway, should we go back howling. to why we're here? Oh, yeah, why are we here? To do a podcast. Of course, yeah, guess. of course. Who do we have in the studio today? We have the awesome Josh Wilson. How are you? He's like, what? He's like, Josh, what have I just I walked just, I into? Love the, I love the connection you guys have, which is great to actually... It's like bickering brother and sister sometimes. <laughs> it's like, we're just like, what? Listen, Josh, you are very, very lucky because he never introduces a, a guest by saying the awesome. Really? Do I yeah. not? No. no Go I'm back and listen. Oh, so now all Josh. our other guests are going to be dark. <laughs> <laughs> you really are, Josh. I think I told a few times no, that, that sounds really weird but you didn't meet me on grinder like the other guests so <laughs> <laughs> i'm not oh, sure we're supposed to put that on air <laughs> i'll be doing these podcasts from jail next time <laughs> this is this is an inspirational podcast it is? You know? yeah. anyway moving further I, forward i think i think josh josh's laugh is inspiration in itself yeah. i appreciate it it's projected across many continents josh why does he call you years. awesome that's a good question. I have no idea. I, I would actually <laughs> like to know that. <laughs> I think we might need to take this one off, like, I'm not too sure either. Like, yeah. Well, anyway. I also. That's a good question. My mother only normally says that. Well, you me. know what? Reading your CV. Did that get sent to you? Yeah, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to try. We, we, and... tried, we, we tried to do a bit of research <laughs> on our guests before they arrived. I was really trying to get on, man. <laughs> I'm I'm going to try and veer this to like a serious (laughs) podcast for a moment. So we saw your CV and when you read your CV, I can understand why Dan calls you awesome. That is a that very I can kind understand. thing to say. Yeah. Thank you so much, Daniel. And also from our conversations when we met that time over dinner, which sounds even weirder, you yeah. know, it was a friend's dinner. It was a gathering. Yes. Um, but I remember we had a very intellectual conversation. It was very we, intellectual. We talked about life. We talked about politics. I think we talked about everything apart from like religion. <laughs> I think we probably <laughs> talked that about that. Going <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <No. laughs> that, that's, a, that's a different episode. I don't, we go from to religion. I don't know if that's good for the region. <laughs> And Rooted Within was a very short season. <laughs> I, have literally, I have literally got sweats on right now. Like, okay, so we have to like re-record so this. Tell, Josh, tell yes. me, tell me about, tell me about you. You've done a lot of incredible things. It's like it's like you're on overdrive. <laughs> um, tell you about myself. Where do you want me to start? The beginning. The beginning. The beginning. When you were like born. The beginning. Like the things that people don't know. Oh, okay. Things that people don't know. You know oh, what? I'll God. throw you a question. Where's your drive coming from? My drive? That's a good question. Ooh. That's an interesting question. L- Lily always throws in the good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think <clears throat> there's a lot of things that I'm very interested in making sure that we can um, correct and develop in this world. And I think that's oftentimes the main precursor to anything that I do. So... If it was when I started um, television production, I had a really concerted thought process and effort 
to make sure that we had mass diversity in the company. I just thought that I wanted to prove that there was no differentiation in where you were from to what could be accomplished. And so, but why? Well, I ultimately this this mindset. I remember having conversations with people in the in the, the British television industry, senior people. They kept talking about training. It was like you know, th and they're just using it as almost like a fob off. They were always saying to me, you know, it, we want more diversity, we want this, we want that, but we need more training. I was like, doesn't everyone need bloody training? Yeah. Mm. Who doesn't need training, regardless of what you look like or who you are? You need training to get better at but your were job. They, were they saying training for specifically specific people? Specifically, the people were, were diverse. Well, diverse as it pertains to, to the UK. The, the UK but diverse as well. The UK is one of the most diverse demographics ever. <laughs> it was like 7%. But, but not 7%. in media. Yeah, not at all. Not, not at all. And, and that was the thing. So as time went on, we, we, we saw a lot of stats that were quite disconcerting. A lot of people were leaving the BBC because they were hitting glass ceilings. But it was, and it was, this was a constant thing that was happening across okay, different let's, sectors. Let, let's just put it out there. Who were the people hitting the glass ceiling? <laughs> no, people from diverse backgrounds. and that's, that's define, not, define diverse backgrounds. Oh, people from black, Asian, um, ultimately, what's the term? Backgrounds with protected characteristics, right? So people with disabilities. So you, you were having a very specific type of people that were pushing through that glass ceiling. Um, it started off with predominantly white male, mm -hmm. Anglo white male, and then you saw more women pushing through, and then that was really it. So you were seeing these amazing people that were leaving the BBC to go to other organisations to do other things, and I just always I just thought that was a very strange thing. And then I was one of the very few people, in my opinion at the time, that was really pushing for for changing the mindset mm -hmm. of of this this um, th this thought process, because I was like, you know, of course you. you <laughs> of course you need everyone needs training but you're what you're insinuating is that people aren't well trained to begin with that there's just no one from diverse backgrounds that have possibly that have, that have already developed and have already done things and that doesn't make any sense it's an illogical mindset so well yes know. and no if they already know that they created a glass ceiling obviously they think that they that the diversity didn't get the training yeah, needs yeah. the training because they don't let them move up yeah well it's it's it, that's what i mean when i say it's a fob off i think yeah. a lot of it was utilized as an excuse and i i was i was i saw this video online about um there was a <coughs> an, an older gentleman who was talking about you know well, my parents' generation, you know, the, you know, they had to live through this and they had to wait. And everyone's like, be patient and wait. Things will get better. I've had to live through this and I've had to wait. You know, my, my daughter now is having to go through the same thing. You must have been like 70 years old. He's like, how long are people going to have to wait for these things to, to change and grow and develop? You can't just well, say this. waiting really work? You can't just say this weird concept. It's not like, I mean, we're in the media. It's not like we're fucking, excuse my language. It's not like we're nuclear physicists. Mm. Like, it's not like it's we're not doing brain something. Surgery. It's not like we're doing something that is just so outraged. I didn't go to school to be a television producer. I was fortunate enough to have fantastic mentors and great people that I was able, well, I was able to learn from. I didn't go to school for it. Did you, know, you always want? To, did you for? always want to be in television? No. no. I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a taxi driver when I was in primary school. I <laughs> loved the concept. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna segue now for a second. Hold that thought. BBC diversity not working. Training. Hold that thought. Can we go back to your childhood? I mean, I I grew up mainly. I was born in, in South London in Lewisham. I remember I left when I was like five. But I grew up predominantly in Eastbourne, which is a coastal I town. Know Eastbourne. You know Eastbourne. Lots of suppliers out there. Really? Yeah, I used to deal with a lot of build contractors out there. From Eastbourne? No yeah. Really? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I've happen. been around, Dan. A lot of contracts and <laughs> yeah. stuff. That's funny. This is, I'm 32 now, so this was in the 90s. And, um, and yeah, it was... Uh, obviously, it's, a, it's quite a mono-ethnic town, <laughs> you yeah. know, Eastbourne. Like, yes. I only ran into, like, a, a few other black people across, like, the... The six years I was there, yeah. I think. I mean, that's it's, not it's an a, It's a stone's throw away from Brighton. Yeah. yeah. It's like down the road. It's like an yeah. hour and a half drive or something like that. And um, and so, you know, obviously you go through things in, in that regard. <laughs> I remember a particularly funny story. <laughs> so I was in primary school and I was, uh, we were just you know, playing around. And I had to race from one side of the, the, the playground to the other side of the playground. I was racing against this guy. 
and these guys, these, these guys were playing football across um, across a little racetrack, and I must have hit someone's ankle while I was sprinting full speed. I must have been like, almost year, year was must have been like year five. So I was like maybe like eight years old, nine years old, full speed, and I just flew and just sliced my entire like you know the gravel playgrounds. Oh. Right? I just sliced like this entire arm open from like here to here, just blood everywhere. And I was just in so much pain. I went to the medical office, and they're like, you know, cleaning it and like patching me up and all that stuff. And you could see like a bit of white on my elbow, and they didn't know what it was. And they were like, <laughs> and so eventually, you know, they, they would treat me for like an hour. I think my mum came and went home, and um, <laughs> they're like, we don't think it was the bone. We just think it was a bit of white skin. Even at that young age, I was like, that doesn't Excuse make any me? sense. I think I said that to my mum. My mum was, like, was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but the, the mindset was just yeah. so backwards. You just deal with a lot of backwards mindset. Now, I don't know if that particularly influenced me. You know, I mean, the same thing happened in secondary school. They just weren't, weren't it just wasn't particularly diverse in, in Ham and in, in what, what was uh, the classroom sort of. Uh, breakdown like were you like literally no, I really I, I don't there was myself a gentleman called tj benson um who was uh, adopted by a, a woman in eastbourne uh, um it was actually a really nice like um, older white lady um apart from that i think there was like two other mixed race kids that's about it and this was like wow. a school wow. of like 30 30 people a class right across across i don't know probably like Six, four, six, you know, sets per year, right? Yeah. So it's a size per school. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So talking like, I think less than, I don't know if that's less than 1%, I think it must be. Wow. So, you know, I d it just, it never really bothered me or frustrated me. It just says, well, you just get really dumb mm. jokes. You just get used to microaggressions, right? And that, that's what used to happen a lot. There's people saying really stupid things and microaggressions and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, but I think mostly it was my mother. My mother was really a, a trendsetter. Um, she was a building surveyor, mm -hmm. but like a really good building surveyor. She worked at the, the BBC and, and other kind of massive public and private institutions. And she always used to say to me, she was literally one of the first black female building surveyors. And it, it always stuck with me. She was like, you have to show up, Josh. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I, oh, she's saying, like, you know, what do you, what do you mean? She was like, you have to make sure you're in the room and you're there and you're present and all these different things. And that was always something that was really important to me to make sure that was happening, that I was present. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I wanted to make sure that I was fostering an environment in television that was very, you know, supportive of that mindset and that vision. Yeah. So I, I certainly think my mother had a massive part to play in how I saw I saw diversity. I want to go back to the taxi driver thing. Yes. You just threw that in there. How does that lead to you wanting to be a taxi driver? Why a taxi driver? I just love this concept of of just driving around with there in a car talking to people. When you're younger, a car just seems like this ultimate statement of power that you can just drive and go anywhere. Boys sort of said firefighter, you know, that's a taxi driver. Would it be like a black cab in London type situation? Because they have the knowledge and they know everywhere. That was a prestige to it. Like that was that was quite. Because it's like an identity, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but been in Eastbourne at that time, just mini cab drivers. We obviously didn't have black cabs. But but yeah, I just thought, wow, you just drove around. Did you ever pursue it? No. I grew out of it in secondary school. I then switched to wanting to become a journalist. But that desire to drive people around. What was that? Was that to listen to people's stories, understand people? I just well, it, it comes once again. It's like it's very similar to the journalistic mm. thought process that I had of just asking people mm. questions and finding. You're always curious. Was, yeah, I was very hungry to learn, and and, and still now I, I don't think I'm actually very good at anything. I just think I'm very good at learning. I will say that's the only good thing I'll say about myself. I always wanted to be known as someone that could learn a lot about mm. other people and mm. be able to utilize that myself. In fact, there's a there's a uh, thing that I always use. You ever seen the show Heroes? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember that? I always, my favorite character in that was Sila. Okay. Yes. The fact that the fact that he was Knowledge. able to yeah he was able to take people's ability and then use it. Mm. So when for TV he was also evil, but it's really evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not that part. Not the whole killing people part. Yeah, maybe not that. But he he had he had this hunger of learning, mm. and mm. that was what obviously drove him to to do all the the awful things that he did. The, the cutting hunger. of people's heads. Yes, yes, indeed. 
<laughs> Lily's a big fan. I'm quite, quite, quite worried now by the gesture that just got made. So yeah, I, I always loved him. I always loved that that concept of being able to learn from other people mm. and absorb what yeah. they the great things that they've done. And I try and do that for for everyone I encounter. I was so just journalism. saying. Oh, Sorry, you said I was just saying, how do you implement that in life now? I think that I think every time I, I'm talking to someone, I come with a very curious nature, and I try. And I, I everyone has an ego. I think it's just a natural part of human life. But I completely dissipate that when I'm learning about someone. Mm. Yeah. I, it's not relevant to me. That's the only reason I've managed to do anything in television is because I was able to to actually just sit. You know, put out back then I used to put out a notepad and just take fucking tons of notes and just actually learn about people. Did you yeah. find that it unnerved people the fact that you actually wanted to know about them? I was very aggressive with my learning. I mean, mm. like it was. <laughs> I say to people now, you have to be aggressive. I used to just message people and be like, "It'd be great to get five minutes of your time." Five minutes turned into fifty, mm. you know? <laughs> and I would just, I would just take loads of notes and I would, I would really try and and learn as much as everything they say. I would just apply. No. Everything. So I just became an amalgamation of all of these great producers that I spoke to. Yeah. Everything they said, I did. I didn't think for myself. I just did exactly what they said. And so I don't see how you can fail. If you just do what someone who's already successful has done, yeah. I don't see how you can mess it up. Like it's, 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 it's well, they say, surround, it's so you, surround yourself by greater people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all I've done. Mm. And so anything that I've done ever since then, if you want to be good at something, all I've, I, I'm like, well, I don't need to necessarily go to school for obviously some things you you do because it takes you know structure like structure of study medicine legal etc mm. but for a lot of things you can you can really pick someone's brain consistently and pick someone's brain and implement and apply mm. and and take that and, and do with it what like you I, want. i've always said it works smarter not harder if i want to know about something i find the person that i can see knows about it i'm yeah. not going to sit yeah, there course. and go research yeah. and do it all on my own i'm like <laughs> you know that yeah. Like I'm calling you. Yeah, people really struggle, I think. People really struggle with the ego side of it. The amount of people I said, I can't just message someone. I can't just message someone and ask them for advice. I'm like, why? Right. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? They might say no. Mm. You know, and I was like, well, like that's and, like, and if that's the worst that happens, you have it's to move on. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad at all. Mm. Like you have to really put yourself out there to learn from these the amazing people we have on what's, this planet. Is that is that as much ego or is it is it um a confidence thing as well? It's the, yes. It could be the opposite. Fear. You yeah, know, fear. For sure. Yeah, rejection. For sure. Like my my answer to that is always: Are you going to let your fear get in the way of your happiness? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and when you put it that way, people are like, uh, "Oh." Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Having no fear and no ego, I think, is the most important thing for growth and development. I just think it's so, 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 so mm. important. Um, if you can, you know, implement that to what you're doing, I think it can change your whole mindset, and you can really grow and develop. You know, in in a lot of different. A lot of different sectors. All right, so back to journalism. <laughs> Ditch the taxi driver going to be a journalist. How did that go? <laughs> I actually don't know how that, that came up. Maybe I was just watching a lot of... You look at all those superheroes, Superman, Spider... All journalists. They were like, actually, you know, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why. I have no idea. But yeah, it just, it just became something I really wanted to do. I really wanted to, really wanted to pursue journalism. And it didn't, that's not how I started off, you know, in, in work in direct sales, mm. you know, like direct sales. You started in direct sales? Yeah, when I was 18. Okay, so. go back. <laughs> <laughs> you, can you see how he just throws yeah. a little, little grenade? Little nuggets. Hold on a minute. So ditch the big cab driver. There's more to life than that. You said journalism, but then how did you end up in direct sales? Why didn't you, yeah. if, it, if it was journalism, how come you didn't? It's a funny story, actually. So I, I left Isha College. I didn't get great, great um, grades like leaving Isha. They were passing grades, but they were low passing grades. So I didn't even think I could go to uni. I didn't have the I didn't have yeah. the knowledge of understanding to know that I could have still gone to uni back then. But I also knew that if I did go, I would have been in debt. Like it would have been it wouldn't have been fun. I'd have to pay that off or someone would have had to. My mum mm. would have to pay it off. So, you know, after my gap year, my mum just like, you have to do something. You have to get a job. If you're not going to go to uni, you've got to do something. So, so I started applying for loads of jobs. Obviously, I mean, I have no experience at this point, you know. So one of the few interviews I, I had was with, a, with, with a, a direct sales company. Just basically like effectively like an internship, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and uh, and then I, I was just so hungry 
to do something by that stage. It was commission only. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like it Ouch. Was, yeah, it, it was hard. Mind you, so. you've got the gift of the gab. So. <laughs> yeah, I did it back then, mate. I tell you. I, it was something I had to learn for sure. It's a, it's a great way to learn. <laughs> yeah. Great way no, to I learn. Baptism by would, fire. Yeah, I would, I would say that any young person should do an element of direct mm. sales or customer yeah. service. I think it changes the way you see a lot of things because you're constantly talking to people. I think yeah. it's very key to work on your, to develop your, um, your, your communication well, it, skills. It, and it also drops any ego you have. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. I had to, I was talking to like, I mean, I was on commission, um, talking to like, you know, a hundred people a day on different products. It could be fucking MasterCards and Argos. You know, I did door to door at one stage. I did a lot of different. How things. many doors slammed you in know, your face? Uh, not that many. People are actually surprisingly right. nice. Like it's, it, you'd be surprised, especially in the UK. Yeah. Right? I never really had any particular issues along along those lines. People were really cool, um, in general, especially because you know, there was some reason for you to be there. It wasn't just some random. Mm. You know what I mean? It, you know, there was a, a product that we were selling once was insulation, and there was literally a, a, like a government subsidy scheme. <laughs> to kind of to help people insulate their homes. There was this massive kind oh, of push Oh, that's an easy, yeah, so easy sell. They, so actually talking to people then, yeah. a lot of homeowners were like, oh, like, this is actually awesome. quite interesting. Yeah. So, you know, so it, it just depended on what it was, I think. And then obviously there was a period when we were doing charity, for example, all these different things. But um, but yeah, it was commission only. So if you don't work, you don't eat. That sh- that, so it was like a driver for you. Know, think yeah. about how that changes how you see the world. Of course. For, for years, it was just like, if I don't work, I don't eat. Mm. Hilariously, I never got sick. I got sick like once yeah. across the course of like, three years. You, you can't be complacent. You can't you sit can't. around. Like You have to work. You have to well, convert. That, 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 really, that really does explain uh, the, the drive that you have. Like That, that mindset, uh, is, it's become subconscious for you. Yeah, it, it, it has to. It has yeah. to. Because if you don't, once again, if it's in, you know, in business, and, and you guys know this, it's... it's it's the same thing, you know. You're you're actually commission only. It's, it's exactly the same thing. You're actually working on commission only. You just don't realize it. You just think that you know you're starting a business is glamorous. It's commission only. It's a commission yeah. only job. You don't job work, you don't eat. Wow. <laughs> you know, and so I've actually always done the same thing. I did. I did a stint as a journalist. I actually, got a job as a journalist. Which I tell you about. Um, but direct sales was is the backbone of who I am, and that's when I realized I could actually do anything. So after I left direct sales and I was in London, I started off in London, spent a few months there. They moved me to Manchester okay. to work in the office in Manchester. Great city. Oh, it's fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great time I'm in sure Manchester. I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah, what were you? It this seems everyone has oh, a great yeah. time in Manchester. I know why he had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why You can't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Grindr then. Or was I? Uh, Manchester. I didn't know if it was out then, 2009. Yeah, I don't think you really oh. needed it in Manchester, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's starting anyway. to sweat now. Again, wow! <laughs> Between the coughing and sweating, jeez, <laughs> this intense. It's a great city, man. I had a fantastic time, and I and I was I managed to make money. We had an amazing apartment, so I shared with two other people. Apartment was eleven hundred pounds a month. For a two-bedroom apartment in Beetham Tower, which was the Hilton. Oh, hang on, the but main wait, 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 wait! But Beetham Tower was bougie. <laughs> it was like the only skyscraper in Manchester <laughs> yes, at one point. It, it was. That's yeah, but now there's like loads. But yeah, dude, Mario Balotelli and like his, I remember when he was causing carnage. Lived ten floors above me. No. <laughs> There's an orchard on the roof on the penthouse. I've and heard it was, about this. Is it Ian Simpson who was the architect? Yeah, I've heard. It. So it's got the, a pool in it. The entire three <laughs> floors on the top have turned into that like triplex apartment yeah. penthouse, and it has an olive orchard within yeah. it. It's yeah. apparently unbelievable. I went to some wild parties in that building. <laughs> anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> I a different can podcast. imagine once again. <laughs> this I one, can please. imagine. It was, it was amazing. It was like this corner unit. It was beautiful. So we were. What, what were we actually paying? I think we were paying. Like I was paying four hundred, my colleague Mike was paying four hundred, and the other gentleman was paying three hundred, or we might have paid five hundred and he paid one because he was sleeping on the sofa in the living yeah. room. So you know, obviously he was going to pay less, right? That was it for the month. So uh, most months, I'd most weeks, I'd make around three hundred pounds a week. That's great. It's like two, three hundred pounds a yeah. week. So I managed to, you know, Manchester is a cheap city anyway. Pints, mm. yeah. which everything was cheap. So it was just, it was a great lifestyle for a kid that was nineteen years old. It was just edge of your seat. Like, you know, they come from Eastbourne. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, two worlds apart. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. So, I left Eastbourne at 11 to go okay. back to London. 
and then do secondary school, did college in Easter oh, yeah. College. And then, um, and then yeah, Manchester. And I did really well in Manchester. Then I was trying, we were, they were trying to figure out, you know, what should we do with Josh? Josh is doing really well. And then they moved me to Toronto to, to, to help set up, you know, a direct sales establishment in Toronto. And, um, and yeah, Toronto was a bit of a tougher to market. Toronto. To Toronto, Canada, yeah. Manchester, Toronto. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they do have direct flights. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have the second biggest airport in, in the UK. I've been to that airport. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not that. <laughs> They've redeveloped it. <laughs> Shame. Oh, my goodness. But how was Toronto? Oh, Toronto was... It? You can once again, you can imagine, right? 19 to like 22. I'm, I'm still back at Toronto. Of all the places you could have been sent around the world, Toronto. Yeah, yeah that just happened to be where they were, yeah. they, where they wanted to do something. And there was a guy, South African guy called Vianne, who was who was um, setting up the office. And I always liked Vianne and a strong affinity for him. So it was like, oh, it'd be cool to go mm. with him and help him do this. Um, I, my, my main aim was always to go to Miami. <laughs> So, it's a long so way Toronto, Toronto seemed like a good midway point. Yeah, at least at now least, I'm in North America. Yeah, similar time zone. Yeah, I was like, just not similar weather. Time. Yeah, not. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was cold, man. But it was so. This was like the big Toronto's kind of. I, in my opinion, become a bit more pretentious over the years. Okay. So, I think simply because of because of Drake and the, the mm. not. It's not because of him. as he's not at fault. I think it's just because the, the city has become. It's now on the map. Back yeah. then, it wasn't on the map. And also, it's a, it's a massive destination for film production. Yes. Oh, mate. It's, yeah. it's third it's like in... Suits yeah. and TV series production. Suits was filmed there. You're right. It's yeah. third mm. in, the, in North America, behind Los Angeles and New York for film production. Wow. Yeah. It's really, really prominent. Really prominent. Because it's got great tax credits as well okay. for, for film and TV. So, yeah, it's 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 um, it's a really, really prominent place to shoot. And a lot, lot of places that are shot pretending to be... It's like for New York. Yeah. You know, Trump, so mm. it's, it's, it's quite good for that, too. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, beautiful place. And when I was there, it was people were just so friendly. Yeah. I don't know. I would just put my best foot forward. I was just happy. You know, everyone loved my my accent. Like yeah. I just had to talk, and people were like, "Oh, you're English? Oh my god!" It was great. Everyone loved you. It was fantastic. So I had an amazing time there. Really, really, really. Good. So how long were you there for? Oh, Toronto. I was there for like two years, two, three years, okay. three years. Um. And then, and yeah, we had some days, man. We had, I remember a day we had to go out in minus 35. What? Might doing, degrees? Yeah, door to door, minus Celsius. 35 degrees. Wow. Degrees Celsius, yeah. It was you can't door to door at minus 35. Oh, you did. do it with a car. It was great. And sort of, you know. <laughs> I've just got visions of you like 10 foot of snow and like an Eskimo crazy. outfit. So my setup in the morning, I wore I underwear, long johns, trousers, sock, uh, plastic bag, sock, both feet, boots. Because then, because I, because you say your feet didn't get water, my yeah. feet were just toasty. It was great. And then just on top, I think I was wearing like a t-shirt, a shirt, and then something long sleeve, and then a coat, like a really heavy. That coat. still doesn't sound enough. And then enough. got to wear like a snood for your yep. for here, then a hat. And it was just crazy. That still, do, then, that still doesn't sound enough to dude, me. Dude, it was crazy. Like, you'd breathe in and your nose hairs would turn into, like, ice. No. You even step on those cryo things? Yeah. Yeah. You ever, and then when you breathe in and you, you feel your nose yeah, hairs. Yeah. Like, yeah, that happened just in, it just walking. <laughs> crazy. So once but again, But you clearly resilience. enjoyed it, though, because you're sat here laughing with a big smile. It's like, yeah, that was the best time of my life. Oh, it was crazy crazy i don't know how i managed it but you just mentioned you just mentioned resilience yeah it brings it but you i mean if you're out in minus 30 only resilience will keep you <laughs> and persistence you okay great you have to work you, you, you're not working so all, all these things just keep adding on to you know the the drive that you have yeah yeah it, it, you these get are molded, all like right? yeah these are yeah. these are all like the little building blocks of yeah. your drive yeah this is why i say you know direct sales is one of the most important things in my life and then i left there and I was like, fuck, what am I going to do now? And I was in Toronto and I was like, ah, I want to work in television and film. Hold yeah. on. What happened to journalism? That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like on the butt burner right it now. It just sort of, <laughs> it was a two second thing. Yeah. I mean, no, I still, that was still of interest when I did later work in journalism, I'll tell you about, but it was, but yeah, I wanted to, I, if I was like, if I, what excited me? I just asked myself that question. What do I, if I can do, I know I can do anything now. If I can do what I've been doing for the past three, four years, 
I there's nothing I can't do. I just have to apply the same yeah. thing that I've mm. just been applying this entire time. You know, asking people great questions and figuring out what they're doing and doing whatever they say. Because as a young kid, you don't have a degree. You don't have any of these things. You just no. you ha- you have to be a sponge. school of life. You have to be a sponge. You have to. You have no choice. So. So during that, I think that you it just changed the way I, 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 I saw, you know, everything. And so I was like, yeah, I want to be involved in TV and film. The, the first thing I tried to do was to be an actor. And that was an interesting time. So <laughs> I'd love to see some of these audition tapes. <laughs> I remember a funny time. I, um, I broke up with my girlfriend in Toronto. That's my first breakup. So it was pathetic. I was on the floor you crying. Broken. Oh. It was so, it, I find it so funny looking back right now. I actually remember calling my mother and, and like on the phone crying and all this stuff. I, I distinctly remember her laughing. She was like, calm, <laughs> like, calm down, Josh. She was like, for Christ's sake, this is pathetic. <laughs> Obviously, she was very nice. Like she was cool. But I, I remember that happening. And I had an audition like the same night of that breakup. Ouch. Or like the night after, but it was like an Did emotional you use it? part. Did you use yeah, it? it was great. Yeah, like it worked sobbing out. in the corner. I got, I got the role and everything. It was fantastic. <laughs> you weren't really acting though. It's like normal. <laughs> well, for me, obviously, you get, um, you're so used to, regardless of how you felt in direct sales, as I mentioned, regardless of what happened in your personal life, you had to get very good at compartmentalizing. Mm. Yeah, like extremely good. That whatever is happening in your personal life no longer matters. Suit up, boot up. Exactly. You had to get it done. You know yeah. what I mean? And so acting is there's a similar cadence with acting. It's not the same, but there is a similar cadence mm. of being able to, to kind of switch on, right? Um, and so yeah, I got so, I got a few roles in Toronto. Like it was good. Well, and what, then, what was this role for? <laughs> this emotional role. Seed, seeds. Of, seed of a deadbeat. Okay. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> I was Couldn't be much. further from the truth. Just going to, to Google right now. <laughs> oh, we're we're going to be looking this up. Yeah, that was the first thing. And then I was I was fortunate enough to get another role in a piece called Comatose um, as, a, as a supporting actor in that. But it was like a part, like a... a Sorry, the movie was called Comatose? Comatose, yeah. Seed of a Deadbeat. <laughs> Comatose. Comatose. There's a genre. I'm, I'm a yeah. tone here. Yeah, which, but these are all like the complete opposite <laughs> of who you are. Yeah. Ironic. <laughs> it was Very funny. ironic. I think it's fantastic. It was very funny. Yeah, man. It was, it was cool. And so... And then, yeah, obviously, I can't stay in Toronto anymore. I, I no longer have status, right? A visa status. And that was a fun one because I, I overstayed. And they basically kicked me out of the gaff. No it way. was bad. So I, I went to the States. Well, I, I called them. I was trying to figure out how to do this in the best way possible. And they were like, you've got to leave Canada and come back. Mm-hmm. And the, bit, the only like, crossing you could walk was at Niagara Falls. Drove down mm-hmm. to Niagara Falls in a coach. Did the, you know, my mum was like helping me pay my rent. She was amazing at that time. And I went to the states. They're like, you don't have status to be in Canada. I was like, yeah, I know. But the person they told the me, did you get did you me. get stuck outside? So the US was like, you, you can't come in here. They wrote something in my passport. They t- sent me back to Canada on this this bridge. The excoriation I got in Canada was so bad. So much so I was crying. <laughs> Notice this theme of tears. <laughs> Break up because I really, I really wanted to stay. I loved it so much. Canada mm. was so good to me, and oh. I had such a good time there. And they were like, you got to leave in like a month. Wow. <laughs> you got to leave. So I went back to London. But very politely, you got to leave, please. Yeah, no, no it wasn't we're polite sorry. at all. They were, they were like, they literally said to me, you're lucky you're not in cuffs. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. I think I overstayed for like five months or something oh, like wow. that. Oh, wow. I mean, that, that's a big overstay. That's, <laughs> not, that's, not, that's not just a couple of days. It was pretty bad. So, so yeah, she uh, she was like, you got to go. And um came back to you obviously the uk acting scene is very different than the yeah. toronto mm. acting scene there was nothing special about me in yeah. the uk so it was much harder to get roles right yeah. um i went back and stayed with my mum you know because obviously i had no money and uh <laughs> and um i realized very quickly i was going to struggle i took a short course at rada which was obviously a great school which yeah. really caught my it was like a week course it wasn't anything dramatic um, but it was great, obviously, for the resume. So I was building all this stuff up, and I realized, you know, I I read this sort of Idris Elba, mm. and I just figured out that this guy had just struggled for so long to become an actor. He really like kicked off in like his forties. Yep. Yeah, and I was like, my God, I can't. He wait was here this the time. other week. Yeah, which is crazy because he's so right. big now. Yeah, I was like, I can't wait. This is crazy. 
So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start. This is how funny it was. I was like, I was going to start a production company so that then I could utilize my sales skills yeah. to then start production, to get investment for productions, all this stuff, and then cast myself. Just cast yourself in, in it. <sighs> that was then my, my main aim. That was my whole plan. And so uh, I started this and started, actually started to make a bit of money, started, you know, doing branded content pieces, corporate pieces, all these different things. Um, and then I think in, and then I just, I wasn't making enough money. The most I ever made was like eight grand in a year. You know, I started the company in 2013, so in 2013, 2016, just, you know, just small, small amounts yeah. of money, still living my mum. And, um, <laughs> and then I was like, I've got to get a job. I've got to be able to sustain myself here. So then I was applying for jobs, 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 jobs. Didn't get a single callback from anyone except <laughs> to be digital content editor at KFTV and The Knowledge, which was a, a leading film and TV publication. Like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And I got the interview and I was like, as soon as I got the interview, I was very confident. Because mm -hmm. right? once again, it's, direct, it's mm -hmm. talking to someone face to face. So lo and behold, I got the job. I was thrilled. I've made, I think it was like a 23, 24,000 pound your contract at the time was was Great. okay like yeah. for a journalist as well journalists are not known for getting paid a lot of money so for me it was great and then i was able to use that and now as a journalist at a leading publication i could talk to anyone i wanted to i could talk to producers i could i could say you know i could you know, get stories i learned about tax incentives <laughs> i learned that the entire <laughs> trade really really well through being a journalist it helped me exponentially gathering info oh it was great and so then I know, and then I, I worked to kind of get contracts with that entity to do more content for them. Mm. All those kind of left, all those contracts fell through, which is awful. But I had to shut the back door because I just, I, from working now, I realized I just couldn't really work for someone mm. like that. I just, yeah. you know, there was just ideas I had. They just weren't an actor, they're just so slow. Mm. Like working for corporations, which is so slow and cumbersome. It's like I needed to be more agile. So I went back to running Wilson Worldwide, and that wasn't a name that was meant for for publicity. It was it was only meant so that I could get IP and shows. I mentioned yeah. it was never, but I'd run it now for so long mm. that it actually had a track record, right? You know what I mean. So I, that then turned into my my company name, which is is still around today, which is kind of mad, and um, and uh, and yeah. So left being a journalist, shut the back. That's when it really got hard. A lot of these contracts fell through. I wasn't making a lot of money. My mother now wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So it, it, the, the, the onus was on me. It was your do this. And it, that was blue. So we were in like some one bedroom studio. I was sleeping on the floor on, a, on, the, on some yoga mat. And, um, and yeah, she was sleeping on the bed. And that's when it got really hard. Like sometimes there's no electricity, sometimes no food. I was very How lucky. How old were you then? Uh, this is 20... Must have been 2014, 2015. So it was like, so I would have been like 23, 23, 24. Wow. 24, yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I was very lucky. I had a great, one of my best friends, Mike, who I lived with in, in the Hilton. He was running this sales consultancy investment thing. He you know, left that company as well. And he had like a spare desk in, in, uh, in his office. So I, and, and he was renting a, a desk from a company called Academy, Academy Class, which mm -hmm. did like training like digital cars and all these different things so i managed to to work there so i just, i knew every month i needed to travel to the office mm. there was food and there was electricity mm -hmm. right so nor sometimes one of those things had to go and it couldn't be travel i had to get to the office to to, to work right so there was some very cold nights sometimes in the uk it was, hard choices. It was tough man and then but it, it once again these are things that helped right and there were many times <laughs> Academy class had like this biscuit tin and like so they used to give out like free tea, coffee and biscuits to people that were waiting to uh to for their classes and all this stuff. We had this we it was um in Elizabeth House, which used to be on Southfield, which they've now kind of like dissolved. Mm -hmm. Um and I just remember there were so many lunches they used to just take like twenty biscuits and just get the free tea and just like just like eat and just just that was the yeah that was just like, keep going. i knew i was not gonna have any dinner right so i was like i had to figure out a way wow. to do something here to to, to kind of get some sustenance so i had to give some money to my mum of course to like keep everything kind of running and this went on for like must have been a year it was very difficult mm. so much so from a, a, from a darker standpoint i was like listen i can't fail here i have to figure something out i would have literally and I, I mean, this is not me speaking hyperbole i really would have rather died than failed 
that was my mindset at that time. I there was no way failure is there. not an option. Yeah, and I'm I'm really not joking when I said that. I when I say that I was really like, I was never gonna like kill myself. But I was always thinking like, <laughs> such a fucking crazy guy. I was like, if I am gonna go. I'm going to, like, approach some gang that's been, like, bullying people in Croydon <laughs> and probably get stabbed to death or something. <laughs> that go, was in go, my mindset. Go home or go big. <laughs> yeah. Go big or go home. Oh, what a crazy thing to think. I'm just thinking about your superhero addiction. Yeah, you mentioned exactly. it earlier. That's what I was just thinking. It's like your kind of Clark Kent <laughs> moment. <laughs> if I'm going to go, I might as well go down in an honourable way. So what was the so, break? Yeah. yeah, so I managed to get... So, hilariously, Mike was obviously in working in investment as a sales mm-hmm. consultancy. So there was a lot of private investors that wanted to move to the UK and invest in UK companies. So I sold them. I sold one of the investors on this vision of what I wanted to turn Wilson Worldwide into. Um, and they gave me an investment of like wow. £200,000. Wow. And, um, and yeah, then after that, I hired my first person. And then we got our first, um, uh, our first uh, production with Sky, Mission Mother. Which uh, which was a six by sixty series, and that was you know, then I was making. And you look at you look at the team that you have. Talk about diversity. Yeah, well, yeah. The first woman I hired was a was a, a, a black woman called Zena Alpha. Who's gone on to do amazing things. She works at Antler, and she started UB Hair, which to, uh, is to um, effectively uh, end the stigma for like for for Afro hair, you know, in like workplace and all that stuff. Like, there's these weird rules. Uh, and ended school as well, where you couldn't wear your hair in a certain way, you couldn't braid your it was just crazy. Yeah. Mm. But, like, you know, it's like it's just so Eurocentric. And now, uh, so she created that and she works at Antler, which is a great VC firm. And that's what I'm most proud of is that everyone that I've hired now is doing, you know, Incredible in the past, things. is doing amazing things. You know, it's, it's really, really cool to see that because I used to spend so much money on having a development team for the office. Um, and now I'm, I'm much leaner. I hire specifically for projects and development yeah. and all these different things. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I hired her, uh, and then I, I like the first, I think first three people I hired, I think were all women. And then the, the production team, I made sure to let the production manager role, make sure these roles were as diverse as possible. So like 70% of my company was women, mm-hmm. 70, 80% were women, I think. Um, and a lot of those women were diverse. So it was, it was, it was fantastic. So I was really pushing that really early on from mm-hmm. a, a tv standpoint um and that yeah that ended up kind of what do you on. what do you think so th- uh, this investor pretty much changed your life yeah I, I got like three different rounds of investment after that i i got a, like a wow. lot of cash in and then that that just helped grow what do you think it was that sold them on wilson worldwide well they were already interested in the media sector obviously mm-hmm. it's a british company but why but why wilson worldwide yeah i i think that Obviously, I was once again, I was very good at selling somebody on this concept of what we actually wanted to do. And I came up with a very solid plan, I still implement to this day, of being able to create deals where no one was losing. The thing with the UK television industry is the broadcaster really was losing a lot in these Mm. deals. We have terms of trade in the UK, which means the broadcaster can't own the content. Like in the States, if, if the broadcaster pays for something, they own it 100%. Yeah. Mm. If you sell something on Netflix, they own it. If you sell something on Amazon Prime, they own it. Not in the UK. So the BBC could pay you a whole budget. They only get a license a license for the UK yeah. for like three years. And they're paying for the whole thing. And then wow. the international rights are all the producers. So they, they're just losing. They're yeah. losing on that deal. And so they started to then lower the budgets for what they were paying people, right? Um, and so sometimes you had to get some match funding, maybe another international broadcaster or a distributor to kind of plug that gap. So it starts becoming more lose-lose. Exactly. And so mm. I wanted to create a method around that. So it was like, I had this background in branded content now from the early days of running Wilson Worldwide. So I was like, well, why don't we get a brand to pay for these things? The broadcaster then gets the show, right? I get to keep the rights. Who doesn't win in that deal? The brand has to pay money for marketing. They, they have mm. a marketing budget specifically to get eyeballs on their brand um, in an unduly prominent way, which is how Ofcom describe Ofcom as like a regulator mm-hmm. in the UK for advertising. And um, so I created, no, I didn't I create is a very strong word. I, may, I wanted to utilize that model as much as possible. And so I had, a, I had a program finance partner in the UK that were just connecting me with agencies and brands. And so we were coming up with ideas that suited that. So the first deal with Sky, we did a deal with um, with Jeep and Jeep's agency for Mission Mudder. You can see, and it was yeah. with Tough Mudder. You can see ah, the, okay. the, the resemblance mm. there. Jeep, Tough Mudder, off-roading, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So 
Chiefs agency effectively paid for the whole show. You know, you know, Tough Mudder obviously won as well. They were just a, a brand that we were utilizing yeah. for the courses. So Jeep won. Obviously, they got going there, going out on like prime time Sky. Um, uh, we obviously got the budget. We're producing it, and we, you know, effectively, you know, own that. Uh, and Sky, you know, essentially getting a free show. So it's like, it's, it's, so we just kept, you know, plugging that model. Mm. And so that that kind of then helped grow the company and then, you know, kind of. And if I'm not mistaken, Forbes 30 under 30. Oh, you got in there before. I got in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I, I was about to say you've, there's a couple of accolades along the way. <laughs> well, we, well, we can't wrap up without talking about the uh, your accolades. <laughs> yeah. And so that was, that was. Um, That's yeah, huge. That was, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I remember seeing. How that, how. How'd that come about? Yeah, we're sitting in Sower House. Um, and As you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's Shoreditch <laughs> House. And there's a, it's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. One of my best friends was, was head of TV for, for, for Bloomberg at the time, for EMEA. Um, and one of her colleagues who was on the Forbes Valley on the phone list a year before, she was like, oh, you should try and get on this. And I was like, me? I'm not getting on that list. Be crazy. I do all right, but I don't do that good. Um, and, but they were like, no, you should really try. And I was like, okay, well, why not? And so um, I got um, this woman who was head of TV to recommend me along with uh, another gentleman who worked for Sky who did the, the commissioning for mm -hmm. the show. Um, and uh, and yeah, they effectively nominated me. Like they like, like got some other people from Bloomberg in to help with the application. And um, and then yeah, it's actually very funny. So when they announced it, I went. I was like, oh shit, you know, I wonder if I've got this. Like the anticipation, mm. which is so big. And then I looked on the media list, and I wasn't on there. Oh. And I was like, oh no. And then I, I checked like five times, and I wasn't on there. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Half an hour went by, and something told me. Maybe you should just check, like, to see, like, other this. So I googled my name and Forbes, and I came up, and I was like, "That's weird." So I clicked on it, and I was under Hollywood and Entertainment with like a bunch of celebrities, <laughs> like a bunch of celebrities there, and me, <laughs> which I just thought was so crazy. And um, and then yeah, we had the uh, the kind of opening gala the same night at One Hundred. Was Ward that a pinch yourself moment? Oh yeah, it was. I was really, I, I it was a. <laughs> Because I'd been through so much. It's yeah. quite funny, actually, because I'd been through so much before. When we first got the, the investment and we got Mission Mother Commission shortly afterwards, I really thought like I would break down, that I would be like this moment, you know, in time. And going. I literally, I remember going out into the stairwell in, in uh, Elizabeth House and being like, ah. Oh, back to work. And I just, yeah. and just I kept didn't, going. I yeah. didn't, it didn't really register. I didn't cry. I didn't really register. But come on, your mom must have. Yeah. When you you must have called her and said, "Guess what, mom?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> now I was helping her much more dramatically. She wasn't working and all this yeah. stuff, right? So yeah, she needed my help and all these different things. And and yeah, I, I I can't really remember that conversation. I remember when I got promoted in direct sales, and her coming up to Manchester, and and she was actually crying because like a bunch of people were there and I had like this promotion speech. And she was she was quite tearful and it was quite cute. Beautiful. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I don't remember it for that. But yeah, the, the same thing with the under thirty stuff. It was, it was certainly a moment. I, I do remember it. Yeah. Well, so I'm getting I'm getting the look of uh, you got to wrap it up. So, I know. Uh, what's yeah, your I last question? I was going to say we'll just fast forward to now. Like you know, what's Josh doing now? Because <laughs> yeah, I see, you I'll know, see what's you next? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean this region. Because obviously you got you were, you arrived in Dubai. We're here. Yeah, I mean this region has been absolutely fantastic. It's the best move I've ever made. You know, the UK had a really special place in my life, as I've told you in mm -hmm. these stories. I wouldn't live there again, not because I dislike it or anything along those lines. Just it's not the the place in my life anymore. And living in this region is so extremely exciting. There's just so much stuff going on from here and Abu Dhabi to Saudi. It's just there's so much Lots forward of opportunity. movement and progression and opportunity. And and so we're we're plugging into a lot of those sectors and in, in, in infrastructure, etc. I'm a I'm CSO and a stakeholder of an of a, an AI and data brand called Binge, which is based out of LA, um, which um, we're we're trying to fix some stuff. And AI has suddenly now become this massive yeah. thing, you know, which is funny. And and and, and obviously, I still have Wilson Worldwide, and we're working with some on some interesting projects there. 
Um, and then I'm a stakeholder and other things. I'm working with a, a fantastic musician called Akon on some cool infrastructure projects in, in the region and, and beyond. And, and he's done some incredible work over the years with Akon Lighting Africa and Akon City. And once yeah. again, trying to create, create a tangible difference, you know, in this world. Um, and so to join, to join that team and, and be a partner in that is great. Um, so, uh, I think ultimately this region is, is, is just been it's amazing just, to just me. Just right. working with the governments here and talking to them and what their plans are and goals. And I know obviously you guys live here as well. And it's just been the lifestyle and the yeah. weather. Like a lot of people don't. Have you done a summer here yet? <laughs> I have. I, I, I don't <laughs> mind it because I'm not coming to work like, you know, to an office and like clothes and all these. I, in the summer, you know, I really was last year. And I hear last year wasn't a bad summer. It wasn't. Yeah, a lot of people say it wasn't a bad It wasn't. Summer. It wasn't. Yeah. And so I was I was actually in the hot tub most days working. I didn't. <laughs> so many visions right <laughs> now. <laughs> I really didn't have an issue with it. It was like 46, well, I was going to make a joke because he says, you know, I don't have to wear clothes for work and all this. I go, so basically you spend summer <laughs> naked. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> that's what <laughs> he does. Of, like a laptop, pina colada, <laughs> naked great. in a bubble. Well, because, you know, literally. It leads me to, I guess, our last question because I can feel both sets of eyes on us. <laughs> We've heard all about your drive yeah. and like constantly going and not even taking a second to go, wow, look what I've done. So what do you actually do to relax besides sit in a hot tub? Because even in there, you're working. That's a, that's a good question. I think it's, I, I make sure I unwind every day. You know, How? I think that's really important. So I, I've, uh, <laughs> in the UK, I had a rule that I'd ever have to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. do heat therapy or drink like after a day like to unwind yeah. i had to do something right um normally it was an amalgamation of those <laughs> three things <laughs> i used to go to the gym then go to the hot tub and then have a Thank drink you. when i get when i got home um and i i think here i, I drink much less here so i but i'm i'm working out pretty much every day as you can see and and similarly, <laughs> what well, how we get you? There's like a peck flex just then. There's that happened. What well, how we get you guys? You just looked at me like, I'm like great, I don't, Josh. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I buy it. The only joke I've told today, just flat, flat lines. Um, but yeah, no, I make sure I um, unwind on a daily basis. Yep. I think that that helps me a lot. Like unwinding daily is is really key so i i try and live my life with that mantra mm. that i i mix my work and my relaxation time so i'll go and like i'll swim and then i'll have meetings and yep. then i'll go to the sauna and i'll chill like i i don't actually really stop working i really work like mm. seven to nine but mm. i just don't ever really work in that period yeah it, it feels you. great you well it's not work when you're yeah. doing what you love yeah. yeah exactly and then that's you know so it's I'm very, very blessed and fortunate that I've had, you know, the opportunities that I've been afforded and mm. I've been, I'm now able to, to do these great, these, these, these great things and to have the lifestyle I do. And hopefully I can, you know, be a part of the infrastructure here for, for years to come. Well, there you, you go. Will. Yeah. We'll wrap it there, right? <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Josh. I was trying to do something. We, we organized that. We, that you've was done, good. You've done this before. You, <laughs> that was good. I think you've worked in media or something. <laughs> like, I think he's the, done. Have, have the you ever done that <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, it was amazing to have you in the studio. Thank you Thank so you much for joining us. I had all the fun. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Well, I was very flat when Thank I first you. came. I was like, ah. Now I just feel great. It was great talking <laughs> to you guys. We have that effect. Energy. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Rooted Within. If you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan.